This podcast is made possible with collaboration and input from the LinkedIn Digital Transformation Group with reference to Google News and Wikipedia. Be a better leader, have a richer life. In my research and coaching work over the past two decades, I have met many people who feel unfulfilled, overwhelmed, or stagnant because they are forsaking performance in one or more aspects of their lives. They aren't bringing their leadership abilities to bear in all of life's domains, work, home, community, and self, mind, body, and spirit. Of course, there will always be some tension among the different roles we play. But, contrary to common wisdom, there's no reason to assume that it's a zero-sum game. It makes more sense to pursue excellent performance as a leader in all four domains, achieving what I call four-way wins not trading off one for another but finding mutual value among them. This is the main idea in a program called Total Leadership that I teach at the Wharton School and at companies and workshops around the world. Total because it's about the whole person and leadership because it's about creating sustainable change to benefit not just you but the most important people around you. Scoring four-way wins starts by taking a clear view of what you want from and can contribute to each domain of your life, now and in the future, with thoughtful consideration of the people who matter most to you and the expectations you have for one another. This is followed by systematically designing and implementing carefully crafted experiments, doing something new for a short period to see how it affects all four domains. If an experiment doesn't work out, you stop or adjust, and little is lost. If it does work out, it's a small win, over time these add up so that your overall efforts are focused increasingly on what and who matters most. Either way, you learn more about how to lead in all parts of your life. This process doesn't require inordinate risk. On the contrary, it works because it entails realistic expectations, short-term changes that are in your control, and the explicit support of those around you. Take, for instance, Kenneth Chen, a manager I met at a workshop in 2005. All names in this article are pseudonyms, his professional goal was to become CEO, but he had other goals as well, which on the face of it might have appeared conflicting. He had recently moved to Philadelphia and wanted to get more involved with his community. He also wished to strengthen bonds with his family. To further all of these goals, he decided to join a city-based community board, which would not only allow him to hone his leadership skills, in support of his professional goal, but also have benefits in the family domain. It would give him more in common with his sister, a teacher who gave back to the community every day, and he hoped his fiancée would participate as well, enabling them to do something together for the greater good. He would feel more spiritually alive and this, in turn, would increase his self-confidence at work. Now, about three years later, he reports that he is not only on a community board with his fiancée but also on the formal succession track for CEO. He's a better leader in all aspects of his life because he is acting in ways that are more consistent with his values. He is creatively enhancing his performance in all domains of his life and leading others to improve their performance by encouraging them to better integrate the different parts of their lives, too. Kenneth is not alone. Workshop participants assess themselves at the beginning and the end of the program, and they consistently report improvements in their effectiveness as well as a greater sense of harmony among the once competing domains of their lives. In a study over a four-month period of more than 300 business professionals, whose average age was about 35, their satisfaction increased by an average of 20% in their work lives, 28% in their home lives, and 31% in their community lives.
perhaps most significant, their satisfaction in the domain of the self, their physical and emotional health and their intellectual and spiritual growth, increased by 39%. But they also reported that their performance improved, at work, by 9%, at home, 15%, in the community, 12%, and personally, 25%. Paradoxically, these gains were made even as participants spent less time on work and more on other aspects of their lives. They're working smarter, and they're more focused, passionate, and committed to what they're doing. While hundreds of leaders at all levels go through this program every year, you don't need a workshop to identify worthwhile experiments. The process is pretty straightforward, though not simple. In the sections that follow, I will give you an overview of the process and take you through the basics of designing and implementing experiments to produce four-way wins. The Total Leadership Process The total leadership concept rests on three principles. Be real, act with authenticity by clarifying what's important. Be whole, act with integrity by respecting the whole person. Be innovative, act with creativity by experimenting with how things get done. You begin the process by thinking, writing, and talking with peer coaches to identify your core values, your leadership vision, and the current alignment of your actions and values, clarifying what's important. Peer coaching is enormously valuable, at this stage and throughout, because an outside perspective provides a sounding board for your ideas, challenges you, gives you a fresh way to see the possibilities for innovation and helps hold you accountable to your commitments. You then identify the most important people, key stakeholders in all domains and the performance expectations you have of one another. Then you talk with them, if you're like most participants, you'll be surprised to find that what, and how much, your key stakeholders actually need from you is different from, and less than, what you thought beforehand. These insights create opportunities for you to focus your attention more intelligently, spurring innovative action. Now, with a firmer grounding in what's most important, and a more complete picture of your inner circle, you begin to see new ways of making life better, not just for you but for the people around you. The next step is to design experiments and then try them out during a controlled period of time. The best experiments are changes that your stakeholders wish for as much as, if not more than, you do. Designing experiments. To pursue a four-way win means to produce a change intended to fulfill multiple goals that benefit each and every domain of your life. In the domain of work, typical goals for an experiment can be captured under these broad headings, taking advantage of new opportunities for increasing productivity, reducing hidden costs, and improving the work environment. Goals for home and community tend to revolve around improving relationships and contributing more to society. For the self, it's usually about improving health and finding greater meaning in life. As you think through the goals for your experiment, keep in mind the interests and opinions of your key stakeholders and anyone else who might be affected by the changes you are envisioning. In exploring the idea of joining a community board, for instance, Kenneth Chen sought advice from his boss, who had served on many boards, and also from the company's charitable director and the vice president of talent. In this way, he got their support. His employers could see how his participation on a board would benefit the company by developing Kenneth's leadership skills and his social network. Some experiments benefit only a single domain directly while having indirect benefits in others. For example, setting aside three mornings a week to exercise improves your health directly but may indirectly give you more energy for your work and raise your self-esteem, which in turn might make you a better father and friend. Other activities, 
such as running a half marathon with your kids to raise funds for a charity sponsored by your company, occur in, and directly benefit, all four domains simultaneously. Whether the benefits are direct or indirect, achieving a four-way win is the goal. That's what makes the changes sustainable, everyone benefits. The expected gains need not accrue until some time in the future, so keep in mind that some benefits may not be obvious, far-off career advancements, for instance, or a contact who might ultimately offer valuable connections. Identify possibilities. Open your mind to what's possible and try to think of as many potential experiments as you can, describing in a sentence or two what you would do in each. This is a time to let your imagination run free. Don't worry about all the potential obstacles at this point. At first, blush, conceiving of experiments that produce benefits for all the different realms may seem a formidable task. After all, if it were easy, people wouldn't be feeling so much tension between work and the rest of their lives. But I've found that most people realize it's not that hard once they approach the challenge systematically. And, like a puzzle, it can be fun, especially if you keep in mind that experiments must fit your particular circumstances. Experiments can and do take myriad forms. But having sifted through hundreds of experiment designs, my research team and I have found that they tend to fall into nine general types. Use the nine categories described in the exhibit How can I design an experiment to improve all domains of my life? To organize your thinking. How can I design an experiment to improve all domains of my life? Our research has revealed that the most successful experiments combine components of nine general categories. One category of the experiment involves changes in where and when work gets done. One workshop participant, a sales director for a global cement producer, tried working online from his local public library one day a week to free himself from his very long commute. This was a break from a company culture that didn't traditionally support employees working remotely, but the change benefited everyone. He had more time for outside interests, and he was more engaged and productive at work. Another category has to do with regular self-reflection. As an example, you might keep a record of your activities, thoughts, and feelings over the course of a month to see how various actions influence your performance and quality of life. Still another category focuses on planning and organizing your time, such as trying out a new technology that coordinates commitments at work with those in the other domains. Conversations about work and the rest of life tend to emphasize segmentation, how do I shut out the office when I am with my family? How can I eliminate distractions and concentrate purely on work? But, in some cases, it might be better to make boundaries between domains more permeable, not thicker. The very technologies that make it hard for us to maintain healthy boundaries among domains also enable us to blend them in ways, unfathomable even a decade ago, that can render us more productive and more fulfilled. These tools give us choices. The challenge we all face is learning how to use them wisely, and smart experiments give you an opportunity to increase your skill in doing so. The main point is to identify possibilities that will work well in your unique situation. All effective experiments require that you question traditional assumptions about how things get done, as the sales director did. It's easier to feel free to do this, and to take innovative action, when you know that your goal is to improve performance in all domains and that you'll be gathering data about the impact of your experiment to determine if indeed it is working, for your key stakeholders and for you. Whatever type you choose, the most useful experiments feel like something of a stretch, not too easy, not too daunting. It might be something quite mundane for someone else, 
but that doesn't matter. What's critical is that you see it as a moderately difficult challenge. A message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you here how it works. It's free, you can register free online. Just go to anchor.fm and register. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or desktop computer, that's how easy it is. Anchor will also help to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many more other platforms. You can also generate income from your podcast, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. Now, you can download the Anchor apps from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Enjoy the podcast, thanks again. Choose a few, get started, and adapt. Coming up with possibilities is an exercise in unbounded imagination. But when it comes time to take action, it's not practical to try out more than three experiments at once. Typically, two turn out to be relatively successful and one goes haywire, so you will earn some small wins, and learn something useful about leadership, without biting off more than you can chew. Now the priority is to narrow the list to the three most promising candidates by reviewing which will give you the best overall return on your investment. Be the most costly in regret and missed opportunities if you don't do it. Allow you to practice the leadership skills you most want to develop. Be the most fun by involving more of what you want to be doing. Move you furthest toward your vision of how you want to lead your life. Once you choose and begin to move down the road with your experiment, however, be prepared to adapt to the unforeseen. Don't become too wedded to the details of any one experiment's plan, because you will at some point be surprised and need to adjust. An executive I'll call Lim, for example, chose as one experiment to run the Chicago Marathon. He had been feeling out of shape, which in turn diminished his energy and focus both at work and at home. His wife, Joanne, was pregnant with their first child and initially supported the plan because she believed that the focus required by the training and the physical outlet it provided would make Lim a better father. The family also had a strong tradition of athleticism, and Joanne herself was an accomplished athlete. Lim was training with his boss and other colleagues, and all agreed that it would be a healthy endeavor that would improve professional communication, as they thought there would be plenty of time to bond during training. Typically, two experiments turn out to be relatively successful and one goes haywire. But as her delivery date approached, Joanne became apprehensive, which she expressed to Lim as concern that he might get injured. Her real concern, though, was that he was spending so much time on an activity that might drain his energy at a point when the family needed him most. One adjustment that Lim made to reassure Joanne of his commitment to their family was to initiate another experiment in which he took the steps needed to allow him to work at home on Thursday afternoons. He had to set up some new technologies and agreed to send a monthly memo to his boss summarizing what he was accomplishing on those afternoons. He also bought a baby sling, which would allow him to keep his new son with him while at home. In the end, not only were Joanne and their baby on hand to cheer Lim on while he ran the marathon, but she ended up joining him for the second half of the race to give him a boost when she saw his energy flagging. His business unit's numbers improved during the period when he was training and working at home.
so did the unit's morale. People began to see the company as more flexible, and they were encouraged to be more creative in how they got their own work done, and word got around. Executives throughout the firm began to come up with their own ideas for ways to pay more attention to other sides of their employees' lives and so build a stronger sense of community at work. The investment in a well-designed experiment almost always pays off because you learn how to lead in new and creative ways in all parts of your life. And if your experiments turn out well, as they usually, but not always, do, it will benefit everyone, you, your business, your family, and your community. Measuring progress. The only way to fail with an experiment is to fail to learn from it, and this makes useful metrics essential. No doubt it's better to achieve the results you are after than to fall short, but hitting targets does not in itself advance you toward becoming the leader you want to be. Failed experiments give you, and those around you, information that helps create better ones in the future. The exhibit How Do I Know If My Experiment Is Working? shows how Kenneth Chen measured his progress. He used this simple chart to spell out the intended benefits of his experiment in each of the four domains and how he would assess whether he had realized these benefits. To set up your own scorecard, use a separate sheet for each experiment. At the top of the page, write a brief description of it. Then record your goals for each domain in the first column. In the middle column, describe your results metrics, how you will measure whether the goals for each domain have been achieved. In the third column, describe your action metrics, the plan for the steps you will take to implement your experiment. As you begin to implement your plan, you may find that your initial indicators are too broad or too vague, so refine your scorecard as you go along to make it more useful for you. The main point is to have practical ways of measuring your outcomes and your progress toward them, and the approach you take only needs to work for you and your stakeholders. How do I know if my experiment is working? Using this tool, an executive I'll call Kenneth Chen systematically set out in detail his various goals. Workshop participants have used all kinds of metrics, cost savings from reduced travel, a number of email misunderstandings averted, degree of satisfaction with family time, hours spent volunteering at a teen center, and so on. Metrics may be objective or subjective, qualitative or quantitative, reported by you or by others, and frequently or intermittently observed. When it comes to frequency, for instance, it helps to consider how long you'll be able to remember what you did. For example, if you were to go on a diet to get healthier, increase energy, and enhance key relationships, food intake would be an important metric. But would you be able to remember what you ate two days ago? Small wins for big change. Experiments shouldn't be massive, all-encompassing shifts in the way you live. Highly ambitious designs usually fail because they're too much to handle. The best experiments let you try something new while minimizing the inevitable risks associated with change. When the stakes are smaller, it's easier to overcome the fear of failure that inhibits innovation. You start to see results, and others take note, which both inspires you to go further and build support from your key stakeholders. Another benefit of the small wins approach to experiments is that it opens doors that would otherwise be closed. You can say to people invested in the decision, let's just try this. If it doesn't work, we'll go back to the old way or try something different. By framing an experiment as a trial, you reduce resistance because people are more likely to try something new if they know it's not permanent and if they have control over deciding whether the experiment is working according to their performance expectations. You can say to people, let's just try this. If it doesn't work, 
we'll go back to the old way or try something different. But small is a relative term, what might look like a small step for you could seem like a giant leap to me, and vice versa. So don't get hung up on the word. What's more, this isn't about the scope or importance of the changes you eventually make. Large-scale change is grounded in small steps toward a big idea. So while the steps in an experiment might be small, the goals are not. Ismail, a successful 50-year-old entrepreneur and CEO of an engineering services company, described the goal for his first experiment this way, restructure my company and my role in it. There's nothing small about that. He felt he was missing a sense of purpose. This article also appears in Ismail designed practical steps that would allow him to move toward his large goal over time. His first experiments were small and achievable. He introduced a new method that both his colleagues and his wife could use to communicate with him. He began to hold sacrosanct time for his family and his church. As he looked for ways to free up more time, he initiated delegation experiments that had the effect of flattening his organization's structure. These small wins crossed over several domains, and eventually, he did indeed transform his company and his own role in it. When I spoke with him 18 months after he'd started, he acknowledged that he'd had a hard time coping with the loss of control over tactical business matters, but he described his experiments as a testament to the idea of winning the small battles and letting the war be won as a result. He and his leadership team both felt more confident about the firm's new organizational structure. People try the total leadership program for a variety of reasons. Some feel unfulfilled because they're not doing what they love. Some don't feel genuine because they're not acting according to their values. Others feel disconnected, isolated from people who matter to them. They crave stronger relationships, built on trust, and yearn for enriched social networks. Still, others are just in a rut. They want to tap into their creative energy but don't know how, and sometimes lack the courage, to do so. They feel out of control and unable to fit in all that's important to them. My hunch is that there are more four-way wins available to you than you'd think. They are there for the taking. You have to know how to look for them and then find the support and zeal to pursue them. By providing a blueprint for how you can be real, be whole, and be innovative as a leader in all parts of your life, this program helps you perform better according to the standards of the most important people in your life, feel better in all the domains of your life, foster greater harmony among the domains by increasing the resources available to you to fit all the parts of your life together. No matter what your career stage or current position, you can be a better leader and have a richer life, if you are ready and willing to rise to the challenge. Preparing for your first day back at the office. After the mass exodus from the land of cubicles in 2020, millions are returning to offices in 2021. For those who have relished their commute-free lifestyle, there's a feeling of dread and a hope for negotiating a permanent remote or at least hybrid arrangement. For others who have found working from home challenging, there's anticipation but still a twinge of uncertainty about how life will work when they're back at work. As a time management coach, I've been helping my clients process their first day back on the job jitters by talking through how to prepare for a smooth and successful transition. I find it helpful to start with a question, what effective routines did you lose in the sudden shift to remote work? In order to manage the additional complexity of working from the office, 
you'll need to reclaim the routines that help you feel prepared and manage your time well. Here are some of the steps that you can take to reduce your trepidation around the change. Begin by visualizing your days in the office from start to finish. Focus on the specifics. For instance, when will you get up? What do you need to include in your morning routine? Think of your family, pets, and other responsibilities. When will you head out the door? What will you do for lunch? When will you go home? What will your evenings look like cooking dinner, exercising, doing laundry, etc.? When will you go to bed? Think through every little detail that needs to happen to make the whole system work and put it on paper. You likely had many of these routines down to a science at the beginning of 2020, but after a year's hiatus, you'll need to consciously retrain your brain on how to complete all these little activities that are part of making your work schedule work. After you've written down what you think will happen in your schedule, check your assumptions. For example, look at the train schedule to see what times it's running right now. The schedule has likely changed. Or check your GPS for the time you think you will need to leave for the office to see how long it takes to commute in with the current levels of traffic. If you intend to use your office cafeteria or local restaurants for meals, verify that they will be open. Don't assume that anything is as you left it. Double-check everything. Once you've verified the current reality and updated your list accordingly, go back through your schedule to ensure you didn't forget any details. Did you put in time for picking out an outfit as well as showering, brushing your teeth, and making yourself presentable? Do you remember how long it takes to walk to the train station? If you're packing a lunch, did you include time to prepare it? If you'll need to use the dry cleaners, have you found one that is still open and how long it will take to get clothes back? Do you need more meal prep on the weekend in advance of weekday dinners? Do you need to write out instructions for your nanny or older children while you're gone? Managing all these moving parts after so many months where your biggest concern was finding a clean enough shirt can be overwhelming. Just remember, getting back into your routine early will mean you will be more than prepared once your first day finally arrives. There are a lot of routines that you'll need to reintegrate into your life, some of which you may have forgotten during the pandemic. Some personal activities like exercise, dishes, laundry, or errands that might have slid into your work hours will need to move back into place at lunch or after work. Take all this information and consolidate it into a single place. Put it in a Word document, make a checklist on your phone, or add recurring reminders to your calendar. Exactly how you document your routines isn't as important as having all of these items in one place. In time, your routines will become natural, and you can likely ditch the list. But to start you'll need to look at these operating instructions on how to make your day go smoothly on a daily basis. After you've decided on your initial schedule of how you will manage your days once you're back in the office, begin thinking about special projects you'll need to complete prior to your return. Here are a few key boxes to check the month before you begin your commute again. Review your work wardrobe to make sure that you have what you need, it fits, and it's clean. Get an up-to-date parking pass. Meal plan for the first week or two back in the office, and even consider making some freezer meals if you're worried about the evening rush. Talk through any changes in expectations with your spouse and other members of the household on when you will be home and what they're expected to do while you are gone such as taking out the dog or doing the dishes. 
Think about any memberships to places near your office that it might make sense to renew, such as a gym, museum, or club. Start to go to bed earlier. A lot of people shifted into a later sleep schedule so you'll need to retrain your body to sleep and wake earlier. Going back to the office will be a big shift for many workers. By following these steps you can avoid unnecessary stress, like waking up on the first day, realizing you can't find your dress shoes, and missing the train because it now leaves 10 minutes earlier. Completing this preparation can make the day-to-day -day basics of the transition less anxiety-inducing giving you the capacity to focus on all the other elements of your return to face-to-face -to -face work. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Please also support us by clicking the support button at our page anchor.fm forward slash Mayfors, M-A-I-F-O-R-S. That's all for today, hope you enjoy the podcast, we will see you again in the next episode. Have a great day, take care and stay safe.